Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming to you from the Cat Cave in Warwick, Rhode Island. Let's Chat is a conversational chat with guests from the worlds of punk rock, podcasting, and pop culture. We got a wonderful episode today with a director, writer, uh, Mike Sineka, a fucking awesome, awesome dude. We had a lot of fun on this episode. Uh, so Mike has a new film out called I'll Be Around, and it is so good and i'm not just saying that i fucking love this movie uh this is a really great movie even if you didn't grow up in like the punk scene like uh, myself did self i think you're still gonna like it there's a lot of nostalgia it really kind of made you man maybe miss that part of my life being that young and just fucking hanging out all day going to shows or a festival or something uh it's fucking nuts and this movie's crazy because people who he got to be in this movie include uh jay mascus from january so jr jonah ray from uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. I mean, I I was a fan of Jonas since uh, The Nerdist early on. Frank Agnew, The Adolescents. Corey Rogers from D.I. And punk icon Pleasant German. And uh, punk icon Pleasant German. We are, man, and we also got to be joined by our good buddy Sean Cologne from Up That Wreck. Uh, so if anyone has been listening to the show, he's on our last episode with John Nix, the director of Beyond Barricades which is actually out now on VOD, so go get that if you can. It's really fucking good. And, um, and then we recorded our – we did the Punk Rock punk rock Documentary Filmmakers Roundtable. So there was a good, like, three-week period where Sean and I spent a lot of time together. We recorded two podcasts and did the roundtable. All these were recorded out of order. So when we recorded this episode, Mike, the Punk Rock, the, um, punk rock Doc Roundtable didn't exist yet. So um, that's why you may well hear no mention of it. So they, big thanks for Sean for being so fucking awesome to us and uh, stick coming out. Uh, you know, find find Mike on the internet. He's he said his biggest thing is the letterbox, but he does have a f- official Facebook page as well. We'll put all that stuff in the uh, links, you know, in the links. And uh, check out this movie. It's really fun, especially now, especially with COVID. There's something nostalgia about it. Like this movie would have hit before the pandemic just perfectly. But now that the pandemic has happened, there's something about this movie that makes it somehow just a little bit more warm. Uh, Mike's done a lot of crazy good shit. And what a really nice guy. I couldn't get over it. He was so generous at this time. Super wonderful. We, we I, I can't thank him enough for coming on. Um, so keep following all his good work. As for us, a little housekeeping. Uh, we've been really busy here at Let's Chat. So for those who don't know, Let's Chat um, with Chris Rebel, the podcast, is was founded in 2013 by me. And then a few months ago, I ended up making this wonderful team that consists of Brianna Benjamin, Christopher Ball, and Mike Schwartz. And the four of us, with help some other good friends, have been working our asses off tire- tirelessly. Uh, we now have a new series on YouTube called Let's Chat Present, where we introduce, uh, we interview uh, Chris Ball and Bree Poe and Mike and I. We kind of rotate uh, hosts and stuff. You'll see more Bree and Ball in there than I and Mike. But we interview fellow podcasters in the in the up and coming, and we're doing some really cool stuff online. Uh, yeah, we're just fucking busy. We got some real big announcements coming up, some big stuff in December. We cannot wait to announce with everyone. And um, make sure you follow us online at Let's Chat Podcast, or you at Let's Chat Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on Patreon, Let's Chat Pod. Please donate if you can. And you can make sure you. Uh, we also our Let's Chat Present has a page on Twitter at Chat at Let's Chat Live, and you can check out uh, Producer Bree's podcast, Talking Shit with Bree and Nessa, on YouTube, 
And, uh, man, what else do I say? I'm rambling. Uh, anyway, find us online, letschoppodcast.net. We'll find all the good stuff, and let's get to it. Briefly, uh, so uh, when when this came through and like seeing all like the names pop up, all the punk rock and like I, I'm like huge movie fan, but you know come from the punk rock scene. But Sean's my uh, filmmaker buddy here. He made um a Fat Wreck, I would say the about Fat Wreck Records, and I was like, oh my god, we gotta bring Sean because you know way more about film, and we can all talk about punk rock. So this is gonna be fucking awesome. <laughs> 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 um, so, uh, Mike, you actually want to introduce this, say your name first so people can just tell everyone's voices apart. Uh, Mike Quinka over Ooh. here. Ooh. Sean. <laughs> Sean Cologne. Ooh, good. Um, yeah, so, Mike, um, holy fuck is your movie awesome. Uh, just first off the bat, the I'll be around, like, you knocked it out of the fucking park, first off. Um, All right, thanks. So, like, I just, like, I don't know, how, I, actually, I'm just, I'm just going to jump into it. How the hell did you get Jay Maskus in a movie? Ooh, that was that was a that was actually an easy one because no. yeah it, it really was because um we I, I I reached out to his management team and I was like oh by the way uh we named this movie after Wipers song and Maskus is a gigantic Wipers fan so and we and we told him uh you know it was, it was a small pitch of what it was about and what it dealt with and that it was kind of a throwback to like early nineties uh type of movies and uh, he immediately jumped on board. So that was going to be the interesting part, too, because, you know, Maskus is not known to be like a very vocal person. Right. And he has this monologue towards the end of the movie. And, uh, you know, at first we were we were a little concerned, but, you know, I think he did an amazing job. It's crazy because like he's like he's I know Sean if you're a huge Dinosaur Junior fan like, but like I I like them but like he's like this especially like in, I'm from New England like he's like they're like legendary like them and Dropkick Murphys I don't know I always wonder if their legend travels as far as it does outside of this area right 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 yeah 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 but it's crazy to see that but like I remember um I was doing an interview some years ago with Stephen Smith who had a confuse he had that old uh, Stephen's Unreal talk show. And I think he was telling me some story about how, like, Jay Maskus gave his wife a hug, and then, like, like they knew each other from, like, working in the music industry, and the yeah. amount of scene cred that he got because his wife knew Jay Maskus, like, <laughs> pretty fucking nuts. <laughs> um, so, like, what is, where was, um, like, what's, what's, what is the, uh, the genesis of this movie? Did you grow up in the scene? I'm, I'm get from watching, I'm getting that sense. Oh yeah, it felt, of course. It felt that way. Yeah. Growing up in the scene and being around it for years and just seeing, you know, how it changes and just, you know, how the torch is passed on to different generations. That's always really appealing. Um, and also as a as a L.A. musician, you know, I, I kind of want to show a little bit of a background into what goes on when you're playing, you know, some high profile show or whatever or what it takes to like even get on a bill, you know, Um which, you know, uh, even with its runtime, we didn't go too far into that sort of stuff, which is like, you know, how difficult it is to book a show, uh, how the booker never actually does their job and you have to do all the booking yourself and then have to figure out who's going to open. You're not going to end up headlining your own show, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, cover those kind of angles and then uh, show that, you know, to uh, people that aren't too familiar with the, the music scene in general. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Orange County. So I grew up uh, near the Fullerton 
uh, area, Santa Ana Orange. Hung out in Fullerton a lot. Used to go to shows at this place called uh, McLean's and The Hub, which was like a pretty cool beatnik type of uh, cafe that had an outdoor stage. So saw a lot of local bands. And then um, in Santa Ana, where uh, where uh, I spent most of my teenage years, um, Coos Cafe, which is a really you know infamous spot out there that you know every band from like No Doubt to Sublime, Social Distortion played over there. Um, it was a cool nonprofit. Former uh, Chinese restaurant, uh, basically a house converted into a venue. And I had a lot of friends that would volunteer there for, you know, food not bomb rallies and that sort of stuff. So it was pretty cool, you know. What years are uh, you just, And it was walking distance to me, too, so. What bands, what, like, what years are you active and you're seeing, like, who are your big dogs? Like, were you getting to see No Doubt and all that stuff? I didn't get to see those guys because uh, this is like, you know, my, I started going to Coos around maybe 98 through mm-hmm. 2000. 2001. I think it, I think they had moved by 2001 or something like that. And this is on, um, like I said, uh, it's in Santa Ana or was in Santa Ana. Sean, were you a scenester as well? Uh, no. I mean, sort of, but I was here in I, I'm here in here in Texas. Yeah. So it was a lot a lot different than California. I mean, I went. I uh, used to spend summers. My sister lived in um, uh, Southern California in the LA area. She moved out there when she like turned 18. Um, so I used to go spend summers out there, but I didn't know the scene. I just walked around and to a good riddance and propaganda too. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Nice. I, I don't know if this is gonna like tank the interview or not, but like, um, were you? Were, 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 I think OC Supertones are from Orange County. The Supertones. Yeah. Right. I never got too too crazy too crazy into them. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I didn't I know they were Christian until years later. <laughs> I did not know that either. <laughs> yeah, and ska doesn't go very far for credibility in one sense of the word, and then you throw Christian ska into it, and you're just like, Ugh. you're like, what? Yeah, no, and you know what? We we did go through a huge ska revival out there, you know. That's uh, what I all I know of Orange. Yeah, all my like knowledge of the Orange County scene is I'm just thinking ska. All right. Did you watch uh, Pick It Up? What's that? Did you guys you seen Pick It Up? No. The no, the, the the Scott documentary. No, I didn't even know about it. Yeah, as um my buddy Taylor did it. Um, it's excellent. You'll like it, and it yeah. really like it's a uh, got it's. I mean, he got a lot of a lot of the big great ska bands from that time period and they do a lot of animation and they really tell a story about ska oh it's uh tim armstrong does the narration nice Nice. he was uh he was originally going to be in this flick so what i didn't turn out yeah yeah. he was going to be he was going to play the bouncer that we see throughout the the flick yeah you're you're fucking your lineup is nuts i was like yeah i got a chance to hang out with him for a day and it was pretty rad and then you know this is like maybe a a year and a few months before we even started shooting and then just that just kind of fell by the wayside, but um, yeah, I was uh, I was pretty stoked initially to have him on board. I mean, just gonna hang out with Tim Armstrong. Now then, did you understand what he said? <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, hello, hello. Like what? Yeah, he had just done that uh, the stint on the on the new X Files, so he was like craving to be in front of a camera again. Oh, I don't know if you guys ever saw that. No, no, no I didn't see that. I didn't catch the the, the updated versions. Yeah, I only saw I only saw the uh, the clips from that episode specifically. I was too it's afraid of watching when, like, punk rock people show up and and stuff like that. You're like, 
You're like, what? What are you doing at X-Files? I, I, love that. I love that stuff. Going back and not realizing that, you know, like, Lee Ving is a clue, and he plays, you know, Mr. Body. What? Like, oh, I yeah. watch, watch that movie all the time as a kid, and then, you know, as a teenager, I went, like, that, that's a dude from Fear. I and never I knew like, that. You didn't know that? Yeah. No. Yeah, it's awesome. You're like, what the hell, you know? I'm going to have to go back and watch it, because I've seen that movie a fuck ton. I think, like, shit. I think, like, John Doe from X is in Ros- Roswell. The, the I think it was a... The TV a, show? Yeah, the TV show. Yeah, it was on CW. Yeah, yeah, CW. That's what it was. It was yeah, like, or maybe it was, it was UPN the, back then. Yeah. Or the Paramount Network. It might have been way for going oh, far enough. With, with the frog. With, with, with the frog. Yeah, the W P. You joke, but I'm a I'm a I'm a huge Veronica Mars fan, so I'm a. So. Oh my gosh, that's a good segue into what I was going to tell you. So, uh, talking of people popping into things in places, um, uh. Chris knows this, uh, Mike, you probably don't know this, but I'm working on a, a documentary about the, the podcast industry, and uh, well, one of the people that we interviewed was Ira Glass from This American Life, and so I'm working on a section right now about it, and so I'm doing research into, like, any kind of, like, you know, any appearances that he's been in, and there apparently, him and his staff are all up in Veronica Mars, the movie. The movie. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if seen, Have you seen High Maintenance? No, I heard it's good. It's amazing. I just only seen the one episode, but uh, I was looking and they did a an episode. It's like pretty much they go to the a part of the story is one of the people on This American Life, one of the producers, like the story they're making for the show. So it has like Ira Glass in it, and like it has them in their staff meeting, kind of talking about like you know putting a show together, and then even ends with him like. Because something happens with the show and happens with the episode. I won't spoil it, but yeah, it's like, what is he? Do- what are these people doing here? <laughs> I just want to be one I of think those he's people. On- I love that. Yeah, stuff. he's like one of those people that's famous, but no one knows it. Like only like people, only entertainers know it. Nerds. Uh, like, uh, and uh, he did an episode of the like. He did a voice voices on BoJack Horseman, The Simpsons. Um, there's an episode where Lisa's listening to This American Life. It's the um, it's the episode where they go to the camp, the rock. Uh, she goes to the music camp. Do you remember that one? I'm not no. good. The later seasons. Yeah, it's like 20 second. I think it's on 20. Oh yeah, season. yeah. Past like, like I don't 12. know that because I've been going through all that shit. So. Yeah, <laughs> we've all had some time on our hands, I'd imagine. Fully caught up. No, no, no. I'm working on a, a section of the documentary right now. It's like I'm putting together uh, the section for uh, Serial and This American Life and Ira Glass. I'm you know going through and pulling. Oh, yeah, Content stuff. So like, uh, like I knew. Oh no, I was saying he has a pretty impressive IMDb. Like, cause he, you know, he's been on like the Colbert Report. He's been on, uh, you know, uh, Letterman and John Stewart. Can I see John Stewart again? Um, just a bunch of stuff. That I was like, oh shit. Most people don't know him. A lot of people don't know him, except for, like, certain people know who he is. But if you don't, not in a public radio or in that kind of stuff, you probably have no idea. So I'm trying to craft all the things, like, hey, this guy is... Right, 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 build him up. You know, like, uh, you know a cultural touchstone. He's showed up and all these things that you know. So, so anyway, I didn't mean to derail on that. I was talking about... <laughs> no encouragement. I, I, I was working on that today, and we were talking about, like, punk rock people showing up in weird places. Then you mentioned Veronica Mars, and I was, like, had just been thinking, like, oh, fuck, is in Veronica Mars? So, anywho. Um, yeah, case, so... That segues, too, Mike. I have questions. Can I ask questions? Yeah, ask a question, bud. So, uh, Mike, uh, I, I'm 
I'm new to the Mike Club. Um, you know, I just saw the, the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he sent me the trailer and asked me if I wanted to hop on. And I was like, yeah, so I'm like, do it. But, uh, I mean, I'm always interested in other filmmakers' uh, paths. Uh, so, like, what, what, like, how did you end up doing film? Is it like, from what I can tell, you were doing music before, right? Does that make sense? Uh, simultaneous, you know, simultaneously. Uh, this is the, this is my third feature. I'll be around my third feature. Kind of actually my fourth feature, but the other one's not done. The one that we, I started for the third. Um, uh, the last features that I did, one of them, uh, was called By the Wayside that came out in 2012. So it's been like, I've been, you know, making a lot of stuff on my own for about 12 years now. We had a, like a three year run doing this, uh, punk rock web series DIY as well. Uh, just casting all my friends, big cast, uh, started off being a little bit, you know, uh, John Hughes influenced metal, melodramatic. And then it kind of turned into this Looney Tunes type of thing. So we're that for, that for a few years and it, became, and it got really, really, really fun, but ridiculous, you know, really over the top. Um, so yeah, I've been doing this for like now for about 12 years, just like, uh, gathering friends and, you know, putting a, a sort of like self identity philosophical influence on all that stuff. And just, you know, yeah. make stuff just because we just really enjoy it, you know? Well, fuck yeah, man. I mean, like, uh, that's, thank you, Chris, for asking me to do this and introduce me to, to other awesome filmmakers. Oh, well, I mean, it looked, I, I saw when it came, I was like, oh my god, we gotta do, I had to do it. And I was like, he probably wants to talk more about, you probably want to talk about your, your, about the filmmaking craft as well, but I know more about music than I do film. I was like, well, Sean knows film and music, and, always a good balance to, it all out yeah so i figured it was the perfect way like what are people's like reaction when you get asking like uh like frank and casey i mean am i wrong was one of them in social i know you mentioned social distortion but wasn't one of them okay in? well well casey started uh in social d he was a original drummer i think That's him right. and ness he, he was telling me a bunch of stories but we were also trying to shoot and he was just he really wanted to talk about like the old days and i was like i need to sit down with him uh and just like hang out with him and you know get everything down. But he was talking about how they wrote most of Mommy's little little monsters in like I think his basement or Mike Ness's oh, basement. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, yeah, like uh, Frank Agnew. Um, I mean, the first time I heard the Adolescence, I think I was maybe fifteen, something like that. And that was a really, really incredible, memorable. So, uh, summer afternoon. It was one of those summer afternoons that could be made into a movie. One of those things that, you know, you look back fondly in, in life. But I listened to that Blue album. I got it at this place called Bionic Records. And I was just blown away by the guitar sounds. Him and Rick Agnew's guitars. And I was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. Even when I heard Christian Death and found out that, you know, Rick Agnew was in Christian Death, I was like, no way, that's why that, that you know, um, that, that buzzsaw type of guitar sound is just like really appealing to me. Uh, but anyway, um, when I, when I was working on Oblivion, we ended up getting, uh, I got, um, Don Bulls of, uh, the germs to appear in it. Uh, and he had a small, he had a small recurring role and this is like a good 12 years ago or whatever. And, you know, we were really trying to get money to get this web series off the ground and it was half hour too. And this is before Vimeo and all that stuff, you know, really, really uh, streaming to, yeah, yeah. Streaming. Like it's a little too early. A little too early where people couldn't even play the episodes because they were also half hour long, so they wouldn't load or anything like that. But we still decided to keep going, even though um, I had actually a pretty, pretty decent pitch towards MTV. Uh, and they turned us down because they said kids weren't into this sort of music anymore. 
So whatever. <laughs> so we don't want this. We don't want to put this out. And um, I kind of was going to give up on the series, but I kept going. We kept making more episodes. And my whole idea before is that I wanted to have all these punk rock icons play the parents of all the characters that you see. Mm. You know, um, so that didn't pan out. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to reach out to Rick Agnew and see if he's down to play like this stoner promoter type of character. And he immediately responded. And I was like, that's rad. And then um, he's like, hey, I'm going to tell uh, you have another part for my brother, Frank. He's interested. He's got to drive me up to L.A. So uh, do you have a part for him? And I was like, right on. So we became Frank and I became really, really close friends. Um, and uh, he's a, he appeared on Oblivion. He appeared in my first movie, Jerry Powell, which is like a, a crime comedy, like a really dark crime comedy. Really nice. weird. Um, and he's also appeared in a couple of music videos that I've done. And then, you know, I was like, hey, do you want to be in I'll Be Around? And he's like, all right, cool. But I have to make sure I don't look like myself. So he, you know, bleached his hair and he's wearing like that Hawaiian shirt and he yeah. threw a mustache out. And we kept delaying shooting his scene. So he's like, when are we getting this done, man? Because I look in the mirror and I don't recognize myself anymore. <laughs> and it was like, I think he had, he had I think he was like, he, had, he was sporting that look for a good three months before we even shot. So I was like. <laughs> That's commitment. But he committed to it. It was pretty cool. And, he, and, and you know, and, and then Jerry, he plays a henchman. He has his long hair. You know, he's in a suit with a gun, you know. Um, so, so it was really fun to put him in these roles. And, you know, I want to keep working with him and, like, make sure that, he embodies different type of characters and does not look like his rock star self. You know what I mean? I love that. Um, so, like, from what I was reading about you too, it's like you have a like a like, like gorilla, gorilla filmmaking style and stuff. Was there a crossover from like the DIY punk scene ethics that you kind of carried over into your filmmaking? Like, does your filmmaking and your music are like, uh, it, I mean, uh, do they kind of cross over a I mean, lot? I mean, it totally correlates because you know when you know you know you're younger, you might not be able to afford a really amazing guitar. You may not be that talented, and you're like, I just want to get these emotions out, and I want to form a band, and I want to do this, you know. Sure. So it's a, it it comes. It, it's the same thing with filmmaking, you know. When I when I was trying to get financing for like a, a uh, my first project, and it wasn't happening, I was like, well, it's either I do this on my own. And just, you know, take inspiration from, you know, the, like Kevin Smith and Robert Rodriguez or whatever and be like, I'm just going to do this on my own. I'm going to have use all the money I've saved up and I'm going to learn that way, you know, which is the best thing I could do. Just like being on, on different people's sets, I realized that no one works the same. So film school doesn't make any sense. You know, I kind of learned the ropes that I had to learn in a few film film classes or whatever. And I was like, I'm just going to go out and just do this. And I'm going to like make an idiot out of myself. I'm going to make bad decisions. But that's the only way I'm going to really be able to learn. Just like the same with, you know, playing a guitar and going on stage and figuring it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it, I think it really correlates. So, you know, it came down to, um, you know, we nobody nobody really wanted to finance. I'll be around. They wanted it to be, you know, your typical focus on one band and their groupies kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, we've all, we already Almost have all famous. We don't need it. Yeah, we don't need to do that. Yeah. So and, and everything everything that we present, they wanted to change. They didn't like the ending. They didn't like how it's open ended. They didn't like that we're not really focusing on one protagonist. And I'm like, well, that's the point. We want to do something that's not typical, exactly. you know. Um, and so I was like, you know what? We're gonna just crowdfund this. You know, it is a movie about struggling artists, mainly in their you know mid to late 30s or whatever. So uh, people were quick to help us get it off the ground and pitch in and and all that jazz. And then. You know, it's just taking that that same aesthetic, like I said, uh, the punk rock aesthetic and just doing it on your own. And it sucks. You know, most of my friends, you know, uh, uh, they fill in as like sound person or script, whatever, anything you can imagine. 
sometimes I'm like miking and directing a scene at the same time, which is a horrible experience. <laughs> but um, you know, it's like uh, it's you got to do it with the resources that you have. You know what I mean? That's it not going to stop me. Yeah, and that's the reason too. Honestly, Sean, why I want to invite you on because I know that's Sean. I mean, also guerrilla style filmmaker as well. Like I. I just love to hear you guys geek out about this kind of stuff. It's so interesting to me. Like, you just fucking do it. Like, just fucking picked up the camera, made a movie. Like, I mean, why not? Because we it, we do it. We had we're blessed with we're blessed with the technology now to be that's able to true. Off, you know I mean? so. But you know, I I I don't have whatever is inside of me is never like I should make a movie. And I guess everyone has a different version of that. Like for some reason, I was like I should make a podcast. But like Sean, you know, you you just made your you you kind of jumped head first into making a fat rack. Like you just just I think it was ignorance more than anything. Sure, ignorance is bliss, but <laughs> it could exactly. out. But like, yeah. I was like, oh, I can make a movie. But you did. Yeah, it's one of it's one of those things. I I I brought this up several times before, but like uh, when we started shooting, I'll be around the second day. Uh, Jessica Gallant, who's a DP, and I've, she worked on She shot most of Oblivion, or 95% of Oblivion. Mm. Um, and she shot my second feature by the wayside. But, um, you know, uh, we've had a, we have a, had a long, uh, decade plus relationship or whatever. But the second day, cause this cast is insane. So you can imagine not having a lot of people trying to, trying to corral this cast and also work around their schedules, you know, and people oh, can't, God. you know, you know, there we, you. we, we, we which we've gotten used to, we're like, oh man, like character B can't make it, so we gotta have a stand-in, and then we're gonna have to come back on another shoot date and get their coverage, and then maybe a master, and you know, work around stuff like that, Ugh. which is insane. Which is insane. Which is why I became my own editor because I'm like, I know how to, I know how to plan these shots out and be able to cut them. I know how to make them work later, even though right now it looks like a chaotic mess. But I was so stressed out on the second day of shooting this thing, and my spirit went entirely down and I looked at Jessica and I went, I fucked up. I should not have started this project. This sucks. And she's just like, well, it's a little too late for that now. And I was just like, I just got to go with it. You know what I mean? Have you ever heard of the hype cycle? The what? Sorry, I broke up there. Have you ever heard of the hype cycle? No, the hype cycle. What is the the hype hype cycle? cycle is like, the hype cycle, it's, it's, the, it's where most, most ideas or projects go. If you ever look it up, you can Google the hype cycle. Oh, yeah, like, I got to look this up. I just wrote it down. Basically, you're like, you're like, I can do this. I'm, you're, you're really excited. You're oh, looking yeah. at all the ways you can make it happen because you want to make it happen. And then in the middle, you end up what's called the trough of disillusionment. You get discouraged, man. <laughs> No, because you're like you, you start realizing how what it actually you know problems start popping up. You, there's you know like things oh, yeah. happen and like it seems like it's not going to come together. Um, if you can push through the trough, that's where most projects and things end up dying in the trough. Like, oh, this did not work out. If you can push through the trough, you can get to the other side of the hype cycle, which is like we did it. You know, that's, you gotta, that's right. It's that's like right. almost like D and D. You know, like, like the trough. We're entering. The forest of disillusionment. <laughs> I got I got lost in that forest for quite a while, man. <laughs> but every time I get lost in the forest of disillusionment, I remember that it's part of the process. I'm like, oh, okay, it's like it's almost like a signpost. Yeah. It's like I got the part. Okay, I hit the part where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. This isn't gonna work. This is a total failure. Okay, I'm I'm in the trough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep going. And then I was like, I gotta take, I gotta take a breather. I'm gonna walk away real quick. I'm gonna scream a bunch, and I'll be back, and everything's <laughs> gonna be cool, man. We're just gonna keep on going. 
But uh, but yeah. The cool thing is you have probably like with something that you're doing like that, you have a lot of other people that are there now. So one of two things are is like, oh well, you kind of have to do it because right, right. you've already got all these people behind you. Saying, and they're hey, like, what the it? hell's going on, man? <laughs> right. So you're like, no, 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 I got this. It's fine. I have it. Yeah. It's good. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna shut off. It's okay. Uh, but then you have all those other people that are there, and then it reminds you like, oh, all these people believe they that believe I can this. do. This. Right, if right. they believe that I can do this, why don't I believe that I can do this? You know what I mean? So it kind of like hoists you back up. You're like, well, I, all these people think I can do it, so maybe yeah. I can do it. So it's that's making stuff is especially like long form. Long form stuff's really hard, man. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's not it's not as easy as like for example just picking up a guitar and coming up with a song, and you're like, oh, that's cool, or like you took a really cool photo or whatever. It's just like no, it's a long arduous process. So. By the time you're like for this thing, for example, this took this took longer than anything I've ever worked on, and I'm like I'm so over it at that point. Just How like, long? How long did it take? Well, we did that we did that uh, we did that crowdfunding campaign, and that was like a two month thing, and then we didn't even shoot for another like year and a half, I think, or something like that. Jesus! Because did you write? Kept, did you write for ten months? Is that what I re- re- we, we read? We kept rewriting and rewriting because originally the movie was supposed to be more slacker-esque. We were not going to return to the same characters. We really just wanted to show a day in a music scene. Mm. And uh, we did change gears at one point writing it where we're like, man, we really like those characters. Let's bring them back. So the movie does have a, a day and night kind of feel where in the daytime we're just setting up, you know, not even setting up. We're just throwing you amongst all these characters and you got to kind of figure out who's related to who, who has to do with what. And then on the second half, and we do have a, a musical intermission at the hour mark of the movie, the second half is now night. And now we're dealing with all the repercussions of all the stuff that we set up in the first half of the movie that seemed like they were entirely irrelevant. So right. so we started like cracking down on the script and taking out more of the meandering like hangout aspect, which I really dig. Um, and then even so, when we were shooting it, since I like I like actors to, you know, ad lib a ton, you know, make get, get the scene across. Get it down verbatim, and then now let's have fun with it, you know, and extend it. I had to end up cutting all that stuff out at the end of the day because we would have an epic, crazy ass movie, you know what I mean? Um, and it's still, and it's still, you know, uh, people have the complaint that it's still too long as is. But um, I'm like, how just, long is it? It's two hours. And your but first we were, cut was we were, what three? You we were the first cut was three. We were tra- we were going for like that whole like Robert Altman Nashville type of feel. And then we also want to do something like shortcuts, sure, uh, which is just like snippets, vignettes of a bunch of characters throughout the span of a day or whatever. Um, and just paring it down, I think even to two hours. Uh, I have a preferred cut that's an extra twenty minutes, and I think that that those extra scenes that had a little bit more ad libs really help with the padding and pacing, and you mm-hmm. get more of like I'm just I'm just hanging out. I saw one review where some guy was like. Uh, you know, it's just like lighting up a J and passing it around while you're walking around at a concert, and that's the feel for the flick. So I'm like, I think that's a good example, you know, that's going perfect. with no expectations and just hang out. It made me so I, – I know you could not have planned for the events of the world to happen the way they did, but fuck did this Fire. make me so nostalgic. Because <laughs> I think if it came out and watched it, I would be like, oh, my God, I love this. This is something I do. And now it's like – I'm already I'm 36, so I'm past my scene years, if you will. So like going to music, I have a kid. Like it, it, I'm already nostalgic for it. But now I'm like, yeah. oh fuck, there's like a chance my daughter. And now you're ever. really like, yeah, we got a, we got there, we yeah. got that response, and it's really bittersweet because you know we oh, can't good. do that anymore. We can have that hang out with like large groups of people and go see a bunch of random bands and just you know, yeah. 
wander around and get drunk and get high or whatever, you know? Just going, especially, like, going to, like, a DIY festival where it's, like, it's, I romanticize it in my head, but, like, I remember going to these, like, day-long, in the middle of the heat, like, hardcore festivals in, like, Connecticut at, like, a Knights of Columbus, and, like, in retrospect, you hung out in a parking lot, a sweaty thing with no AC, and then, like, maybe a playground, and you bought snacks at the gas station. And to me, it was, it's the best moments of my life, you know what I mean? But it, like, it's nothing. I don't know. It's just you just you just fucking hang, and then like nothing happens, and then hopefully the last band kills it, and it's the most amazing experiences. I, I mean, I can tell you hours of like, like seeing these bands and then like, playing on a floor, or, like all right in Connecticut. Every once in a while, I'm I'm, I'm years out from Hatebreed, but like they would <laughs> pop in and just like hang. Like Jamie Josta and Sean Martin would just go to shows or do like a pop up, and you'd see these like hardcore legends. It's just it's insane. But like your movie, just it made me feel that. It's like oh my god, I love. I've never been in a band, but, like, I've gone on, like, with friends and bands and stuff. Like, just get into yeah. the venue at, like, 10 in the morning in, like, Hartford, Connecticut. What the fuck do you do all day? Smoke. Yeah, I don't know. It's great. Hurry up and wait. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So hurry up and wait. We got to get there. We got to get to the venue. I, I all right, guys. I appreciate it. Okay. You know, two or three hours. I appreciate you guys, uh... I appreciate you guys sharing the that the hive cycle thing of because I think a lot of creative anyone who makes anything you, no one never really talks about that part usually it's just like yep everything was great we all had fun and I can't imagine even Sean like making anything you like your your docs like the podcast is great but you know I stay home and it's short like talking about doing the same project for years oh my fucking god that blows my mind with with I'm I'm with, on four years on Lifer yeah, right. wow yikes. And we're I think we're rounding up through almost three years from first thing I think from the first inception of the idea for the other for the for the um, podcast doc yeah and that's that's at least we shot some stuff the year before so yeah we we we've been shooting for two years and then there's probably about six months before that that I was you know producing getting interviews lined up and stuff like that and Damn. that kind of stuff so yeah and and i work on it every day every day and look, currently i'm working on it like six to you know six to seven hours a day that's hopefully yeah, totally totally true man <laughs> were you uh with the with your uh fat records uh doc were you happy with the way it turned out was that what you envisioned initially you know when i when i kicked it off it was the first thing i ever tried to make uh-huh so like the first thing was just gonna be a, a little short, like a, like a twenty minute short. And so it's not is way beyond anything I would expect. Um, I, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, you know, as, as you get better at hopefully get better at doing this, there's things that I would have probably pre-planned better. Right. You know what I mean? But we did like a hundred and some odd interviews. Like, like that. There's so much that did not end up in that movie. Like, yeah. I mean, we talked to like so many people and. Like, uh, I got to work with some really talented people. Like, there's ridiculous animation in it. There's all these puppets. Like, uh, and so we, I mean, when we we did a crowdfunding thing too, and we were trying to get like seven grand, and we ended up raising like thirty grand. Oh wow! So, so like, it expanded what I thought it was going to be as it went. If that uh-huh. makes sense. Uh, and the end, I mean, I'm very satisfied. There are parts where like they're tough to watch because I know I can do so much better now, but overall, like, uh, I'm very happy with it. I mean, even during the, the lockdown, it kind of, it, um, 
were on Amazon Prime. We ended up getting distribution and all that stuff. Um, and during the lockdown, like it, we were trending on the front page of uh, Amazon Prime here, nice. and, and and I was getting a lot of and and besides that, those people watching it, I was getting a lot of uh, requests. So I, t- I told I put on our thing like, hey, watch it on Amazon Prime because you know we get credit for that. But if you don't have it on Amazon Prime or you don't want to pay for anything, just email me and I'll send you a link that you can watch it. I'd rather people watch it. And I got so many people from Italy that were locked down. Oh and they're yeah. Like, Please can I watch the movie? And I'm like, yes, here's the <laughs> link. Thank you. That's awesome. So like, like have people want to watch your thing is always. Um, very satisfying, especially here. We're almost four years. What was it? Twenty seven, twenty sixteen. It came out. So here we are, like four years later, and people are. You know, it's still relevant to. And I don't know if people like who like Fat Records. It'll probably always remain relevant at some level. So, right, of course, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I'm. You know, I'm really very, very excited about the stuff we have now because um, that first movie was like. Like I said, I just had no idea, and all these other two movies were so much more was put into the the pre-production, the thought of where it was going, and also I know more about like you know the hero's journey and the story circle, and you know uh, you know a little more of the. the I, I'm ho- hopefully, maybe it's crap. Maybe the two other movies are gar- garbage. <laughs> and magic was that I didn't know anything. That's, that's, that's where you get like uh, when you revisit revisit something five years later. That's when you'll know how you really feel about it. I I, I watched uh, it's the the fat wreck dog parts parts of it really are pretty good. And, uh, like um, I gotta watch the whole thing again. I, but I was just watching the Taylor Morton's the the ska documentary I was telling you guys about. Yeah. Pick it up. And me and him he me and him connected a, like about a I guess a year and a half two years ago, mm-hmm. and like. We have like a, in my opinion, a very similar style, like the way we do documentary stuff. And uh, so I was like, okay, this works. It's cool. Um, The the next ones will be nothing like that first one. Like even the way they're shot, the pacing. Yeah. Like, like, uh, um, all the other kind of stuff. So you know, it's um, each each one is scary. It's it's scary because they're so big. Like, like, not like it's not like you can stop after being three years into a movie. Yeah, then you're like, oh man, I just wasted all this time. (laughs) Have you had that when you're making your stuff, Mike? Michael? I did that with uh, my first real feature that I pretend doesn't exist. I think it's one of the worst things in the universe. But uh, we never actually. I think we probably had two shoot dates left on that thing, and I just, I was like, I, I can't. This sucks. Not like this. I made every. Like I said, I made every single mistake I could possibly made, but make, but I, I, you know, I totally uh, learned from it. You know what I mean? There's a lot of bad. There's a lot of bad direction where you're like, uh, can you do that angry, but uh, but uh, sad? And you're like, or like, it, it, like the worst possible direction in the world where like an actor's looking at you like, what the hell do you want from me, man? Like, do that angry but happy. You know? And they're like, what the fuck are you saying, man? And like, I, I just like I would be so caught up in the moment and just. It was so nervous at the same time, and I have all these like millions of ideas running through my head that it's just like everything that came out of my mouth was just nonsense, you know. So it took a lot of patience for the people that were involved in that just to kind of understand what I wanted to get out, you know. But um, but yeah, it's just uh, uh 
you know, uh, I, I love being able to go back and just go like, man, I'm, I'm pretty stoked. Like how you said, some of those parts are really good and you can see your, your flaws just, uh, where, where you've, you know, hopefully keep improving on them. You know what I mean? That's the idea. I mean, I, like I was pretty lucky that I had some people around me that were like, um, had, were, had been going through the process or like, uh, I had never shot anything or really edited anything before, like mm-hmm. seriously, except for like a couple things, like some music, a couple, like two or three music videos and like this little tiny making of doc thing. Yeah. But I had uh, the guys who did filmage, the Descendants documentary, uh, were here in Dallas. They were local as well, and it turns out I was kind of friends with some of them. Uh, I dig that. I dig that one a lot. And they, uh, yeah, and those guys, uh, the editor uh, who worked on that, and one of the guys that shot helped shoot and edit ours and. A mentor and a friend um uh it having those people that were like bumpers you know because i trusted them and i like i didn't i try not to have too much an ego and it's things that i wanted to do but i like would listen and then I, a fat mike even was like uh don't he's like you could he's like you can do it he's like i'll give you the songs it's, it's fine he's like just don't make it very long <laughs> and i was like okay I'll, like so this whole time i was like trying to get it under an hour and a half so like, which ended up being great for it, I think, because uh, I think, especially like documentaries, I think, uh, I think that um, uh, fiction is a little different. I do think with like a like a, a very uh, specific documentary where like, especially with ours, where it's not like we have like this big emotional arc, right, right, you know that like. You know, it's really like we found those moments, but we're talking about this label, and they didn't really have. They just kind of got popular and then got less popular and just kind of leveled off. Like, it's not a... Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Like, not like ours. Like, and then everything was kind of all right. Um, So I thought by keeping it... And we had... When we did... We have, uh, like, another two and a half hours of bonus content. So we had, like, another supplementary documentary that was another, like, uh, 35... You had that available? It's out there. Yeah, it was it was stuff that just didn't make sense. It, we had right. to cut it out, and we yeah. liked it, but it just you could feel it because we did a bunch of test screenings. Right, right, and you right. Could just you feel the energy, really energy in the room just totally brought, drop. Yeah, mm, right. Like, I like that scene, but let's just get rid of it. And if people want to, people who really wanted to engage, who are really engaged, they'd want to see that stuff. Yeah, of course. And yeah. The, the beauty of that stuff is that you're not as tied to explaining everything mm-hmm. because they most likely seen the movie if they're watching the bonus content. Yeah. So you're not having to, you know, like you are like, in, like at least how I feel in the documentary, I'm usually having to kind of like set everything up to, why is this important? Well, you have to kind of know. Yeah. So the extra stuff, the making of stuff, uh, you know, we, we were able to put a lot of extra stuff in there, but um, like that was the, the other guy that I worked with. He was like, he's like the descendants doc is supposed to be two and a half hours long. And Jeez. one of the guys, uh, Justin fought against the other two like co-directors and was like, no, we got to cut it down. It's got to be an hour and a half. Stops. It's a lot of information, and, you know, so you want to keep the audience engaged with that aspect, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, well, and like, uh, you, for me, it's like wh- someone watching this that doesn't know who fat records is. Mm-hmm. Can I keep them engaged? Cause I think if you like fat records, you're going to watch the entire thing. Uh, have you seen one nine nine four on YouTube? No. Uh, what's that? Oh. It's a documentary this guy made. He was in Australia, I think. Um, he talked to like 
Billy Joe, Fat Mike, like the Rise Against guys. Mm-hmm. He got like some really top people, but he didn't wasn't able to clear the music, so the thing never really oh, got yeah. on. That's the problem that I had with the the replacement stock, where they couldn't use any music whatsoever. So I was just like, so you just had like a bunch of people that were like fanatics just talking about their love for the band, but we didn't get any actual information from the surviving band members or anything like that, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, it makes for like, a really... That, that fat doc would have been done if Mike wouldn't have agreed to do it. I mean, it, it was really him, and he says he was the top guy. Everyone, like, everyone, right, even right. though there's people at fat that probably were not stoked that some rando is telling their life story. Totally. They have no idea what his, you know, agenda is or... But uh, he was kind of like, cause he's kind of like a, as far as I can tell, a fuck it and see what happens kind of person. And uh, we had a whole thing where I was at uh, punk rock bowling and I ran into him. He's like, come to the punk rock house. And we ended up getting into his pool. And nice. was, it, was weird. it was weird. I put stilettos on. Um, <laughs> like a propaganda shirt and stilettos. It's uh, <laughs> pretty rad. But anyways, he just asked me lots of personal stuff. And I think he was trying to catch a vibe for fucking sure. shithead or not. Yeah. Um, and after see, that's when he was like, don't go too long. And then I remember when after he saw, I was like, wasn't too long. He's like, what? <laughs> I remember saying that at all. Oh wow. He's like, whatever. He's like so, enamored by the uh, material. He's like, make it five hours, man. It's cool. Well, I think he he thought it was gonna be boring. He was like, it's gonna be boring, man. Nothing. There's not anything interesting there. Because apparently some other guys had wanted to do a documentary that had asked him to do it, and he had told them no. And the reason I got to do it is because I didn't ask. <laughs> I just gotta start doing it. I like that. You seem to have that attitude too, just the that the punk rock and you just fucking grab the camera, make the movie, just fucking do it. But like one thing I was like, re, like doing research and stuff, like I noticed like you work with a lot of the same people and not like like very like like Judd Apatow or Adam Sandler. Like you you've got like behind the scenes too. It's like so clearly. You're I, I, doing, w- I wish I wish I could have Steve Buscemi and all my stuff. Yeah, he he actually almost played the hypnotist. Oh. We nearly had him. But with him, we ended up with we wound up with Jonah and I and I've been wanting to work with Jonah for years. But um I'm we huge, almost had huge Jonah fan. That's rad. Jonah uh, Ray? Oh yeah, yeah, Jonah Ray's Jonah. in it too. Yeah. Which is so funny yeah. in the press release it says Mystery Science three thousand, but like I'm like, uh they're not gonna mention the Weird Al album he just made, and then I realized like, oh yeah, this is why they're PR people, because no one would be like nerdist and <laughs> uh I forgot what band he was in, like I hope I always accidentally say screwdriver, which I know is not it at all. No, it's not. No, I know, I know that's a Nazi band. So, I, oh my god, I forgot what it was. I don't think they were big, but it was just like they're from Hawaii. I, I just, you know what? I don't know if you're like if you're like a podcaster like person, but like he's not like a huge celebrity by any means. But you know, Mystery Science is pretty huge. But I listened to his, his so many hours of his voice. I feel like I, mm-hmm. I, I don't, but like, I feel like I know him. Like, we have mutual friends. But, I, I, yeah. That's what I do love about podcasts. They just become, you know. Oh, my. I think head. I know like, everyone. They're my friends. <laughs> yeah. They're great. And then sometimes you get to talk to them, and it's like, this is crazy. I mean, I mean, you got to do that with your movie, but like, um, but like, so clearly you're doing something. Like, I like that you get to keep, kind of keep the same crew around. Like, um, I forgot. You yeah. Said, I, yeah. Yeah, like as, as a huge cinephile, you know, I love I love watching filmmakers, uh, directors, films chronologically, and then seeing how they reuse. You, you know who their favorite actors are, and they'll even have them in very bit parts, but they'll at least make a cameo. Yeah. So, um, you kind of find your your uh, your group of these people that just like understand how you like the dialogue said, and they they kind of snap into that world. 
And I think if you watch any of the three movies that I've made, you can kind of see that there's a, there's a certain style of acting, you know? And so sometimes people that come on board that are brand new, uh, that I have never even seen my stuff, um, somehow it, it just like, there's, it, it just has this like crazy osmosis and it ends up working out and they end mm. up sounding like they've been a part of this universe forever. And I have a, and I also have my, cause I'm a huge nerd, but I also have a, uh, my own shared universe. So a lot of the characters are referenced in other movies or make cameos in the background and that sort of stuff. So are you a huge Kevin Smith? That's it. Wow. Uh, good. I, I, he, he was the other person I spoke to him in person, nearly nabbed him for the hypnotist as well. And Sean I interviewed really, him. What was that? Sean actually got to interview him. Oh, I'm so rad. fucking jealous for um, yeah, your doc. In the podcast doc we're doing, we talk about Smodcast. Oh, you do? You, do. Know, yeah. you know Josh? Do you know Josh Roush? The guy that do does not. all his... Uh, you should, I mean, he's in L.A. too. You should probably trapped. He's a punk rock guy too. Uh, okay. You should look him up. He did. Uh, he he just shot a movie with Kevin. He does all Kevin's, uh-huh. all Kevin shit. Like he does all like, in his like, records a podcast. Goes went on tour with him to do the like um, reboot tour. You know, the reboot tour. He, nice. he films the, the 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 pictures and interactions. He's a guy who does. Like he made, did a little documentary, a making of documentary about the reboot, and he's like, he's just him and Lily. Oh, he did that. Like that. A, okay. He, yeah. Do you see that? Do you see what I'm talking no, about? I, I, the the, the reboot. It's on my watch list because I had a couple of friends that watched it. And they got they said they got really emotional watching Dude, it, so I have no idea what that entails. I, me too. I did. I got I cried watching it. I'm not gonna lie. Wow, okay. I got I gotta watch this as soon as possible. It's the best thing and he's it, ever it's, made. It's not like something. It's not. I mean, it's not like flashy or anything no. like that it's it, it, it just it hit like a, i mean it hit a really good spot the guy uh josh i'm gonna talk him up a lot everyone should go i forgot that we're on a podcast don't want so we should hang out uh <laughs> of course you go check out uh, josh roush and Liv's uh work uh she has a band called um byproduct um and they just they all they're married they have one of the like like what is it like marriage goals or whatever yeah Goals. Like she's like a producer. She's like produced shows for like Netflix and does all kind of like that kind of stuff. You know, he's a punk rock guy and shoots all Kevin stuff. And like she plays punk rock. So she wrote an album. So they went to one of his places, got his friends to play on it and then did a whole album. Then he shot all the videos and these cool videos that he's done for her. And then they ju- they've been working on a script and then Kevin helped them raise the money to get some of the, some of the money for it. But he's also in it. She's producing it, and I think some of this music stuff ties into it. So it's like he's another punk rock filmmaker. Is the reason I bring him up, and uh, uh, the reason I mention him again uh, is because we went to go do Kevin Smith's interview, and you know how it is with like you know how it is with handlers, people's handlers, like actors and people who like have any kind of um, status. They you have a handler that allows the actual person to be nice. But the handler can be the person that's kind of the tough cookie, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So they can kind of lay the law down because they're protecting that person's time. And so Liv was that kind of person. And we were kind of like, we need, you know, she's trying to get all the Kevin stuff taken care of. And we're like, I was like, uh-oh, you know, she's kind of a little bit of a hard ass. And then when we were setting up, uh, we were trying to find a spot. And Josh had their stuff all set up. And we were kind of like, hey, can we do this stuff? And I noticed that he had a punk rock jacket on with the spikes and all that stuff. So I was like, hey, man, you like Fat Records? <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah. I was like, I made the documentary. He's like, oh, cool. And so we like, <laughs> like 
Poli the whole night had our had our back. Even though Kevin, you know, he's doing his thing, and we're trying to, we're kind of waiting around, and we didn't want to say yeah. anything because it's like he's giving us his time. But Josh kind of noticed and was like, "Hey, Liv, what's going on with Kevin?" You know, just kind of very subtle in the background, kind of just kind of having our back, and uh, super rad dude makes That's cool awesome. stuff. So yeah. I was just doing a whole spiel for Josh there. <laughs> no, that's yeah. Reboot is surprisingly good. I think there's like uh, besides it just being a good movie, it was like I, I I like I'm a huge I'm actually more I I'm a huge fan of his podcast and his movies too. But like it felt like he grew up as a filmmaker. Like he always like shits on himself for not being a good director, and maybe I can agree with it for certain movies he's done. Like it's whatever. But like this movie, like it look it was the most beautiful shot movie he's ever done. Like I felt like he like came full circle, and the whole dad stuff kind of really hit me um no that makes so much sense because i know you mentioned slacker and then too and then hearing kevin smith i was like yeah i i know i feel like i i totally get that sense i'm surprised that they didn't lean in like um like the tone of your movie it definitely has like you know the slacker is kevin smith feel like that just has very it's very talky it's very it's a very talky movie where can everyone see your movie it's gonna be on amazon prime uh starting september 23rd Awesome. And, and everyone stream that a bunch. Just watch it on repeat. Just watch it on repeat over and over. And yeah. Leave, leave it on in the background. Put it on the room yeah. when you go to bed and put it on mute. Play it for your plants. Play it for your uh, your house, your pets. Yeah. <laughs> pets will love it. <laughs> that's sweet. Congratulations, man. That's yeah, uh, that's fucking rad. Oh man, yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for your time for doing this with us. Um, I'm so excited. Uh, I'll send you. I'll send it to you, Sean. Um. So it's Amazon Prime, but before I said, um, what's what's the way where we could watch it to beside, give you the most money directly? Is it through your website, or is it watching it, rent it on the Prime? Or um, we do have it. I think uh, it, I think it's still up on Vimeo, possibly. I don't think it's been taken down yet. But um, if you go to ibafilm.com, you can scope it out and read a read about everyone involved in the flick, all that jazz. Ibafilm.com. I'll be around. Iba is what we call it. Beautiful website too, by the way. Whoever did it. Oh, thanks for scoping it out. Uh, total website envy. I, I love mine, but like my my producer made our website, so she gets real. We she has we scope everything out to like steal ideas and like holy fuck this I is see. nice. Um, and then people, are you like a social media guy, or are you just more like or not? Uh, I, I'm I'm on. Yeah, are you guys on Letterbox at all? What's that? <laughs> That's like the social media uh, uh, site for cinephiles where you can review movies and all that. But I mainly use it for my own uh, personal film diary. Oh. So I, with this, you know, w- with all this downtime that we've had, I'm, I'm like watching about three movies a day. So I'm constantly logging stuff on there. So I'm on Letterboxd daily. And I have an Instagram that I post a bunch of random stuff on my stories too. What do you watch? What are your movies? Just curious. Are, are you going to do like a Marvel movie? What did I watch? watch? Uh... I don't know if I do a Marvel rewatch, but uh, let me see. I did. I I I thought about watching my favorite ones of the franchise. Is it Ragnarok? But I've been like, yeah, I really, I really like, I really dig Ragnarok. Um, but uh, what's it called? Uh, I'm I'm, I'm trying to even remember what I watched this morning because I watched so much stuff that like even stuff oh, from yeah. like a week ago. I'm like, I don't even remember how that movie ended. My I brain is white, but I do not remember anything. I have to watch YouTube videos about, like, recaps of TV shows I watch. Like, I watch Better Call Saul, and I have to go on after and watch a recap, because I'm just like, what did I just watch? Like, like, my brain just, I just can't contain any more information. Um, You know what I've been watching lately? Uh, On Amazon, it's streaming, both of them are streaming, is, uh, have you seen Samsara? I haven't heard of that. 
Uh, Samsaro and Baraka. It's this. Uh, it's a. It's a cinematographer. They're they're documentaries, but they're they're really. It's there's no dialogue. There's no like strong story plot. It's really uh like long. Usually really long takes. Either sometimes regular speed, but sometimes like it'll be like a city sped up, or it'll be like certain things in slow motion. And it's uh like a scene will be like a bunch of like chicks like being sorted in a factory, but and then are like juxtapose that against like if you want a subway in japan like sped up so you see like you see all the or like um you know um mecca where they where people go like there's like a these shots of mecca but it's sped up so you see like the twirling i mean i'm not even doing nearly it justice but it's it's really like a visual kind of thing i think the score what i've been doing is kind of like having some other kind of music on yeah just have that on and like i have it on repeat and Baraka, and they, 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 they I'm actually going to be stealing a bunch of stuff from my B-roll ideas from it because it's, it's just like, it's like B-roll. Uh, this is what I describe it. It's B-roll so good, it's a whole movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, and and it's streaming. I, I highly recommend both those, uh, especially for visual storytelling. Like it's, it's, but also it's just breathtaking. Some of the stuff, man. Just, that's awesome, man. Uh, so, uh, Sean, where can people find you online? Uh, yeah, I'm open-ended films, uh, uh, pretty much across the board there, like on the Instagrams. On uh, Instagram, I don't post that much unless it's something happens. Twitter, anything on there, retweeting either, you know, like sometimes semi-political, well, political stuff and all that kind of shit, you know, getting angry. Uh, and then um, uh, those are two main places, I'd say. Awesome. Twitter and Facebook. I don't have a TikTok yeah, you should get out. It's fun. Awesome, man. Uh, Mike, thanks so I'm much. Gonna, um, start, start, I'm going to learn how to scratch. And I figured I'll do a TikTok as I learn to scratch. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Oh, man, thanks so much, man, uh, Mike, uh, for your time. And I'll let them right. know. We'll 